The Memphis Grizzlies just received some really tough news that's definitely going to impact them trying to hold on to that eighth seed in the West. Jaron Jackson Jr., their young star, suffered a meniscus tear in his left knee, and he's out for the rest of the season. So let's start this off with just saying, get healthy, young fella. you got a bright future ahead of you. Come back 100%. Real talk. As far as what's going on, in the bubble, in the restart, if I told you the Lakers would go 3-0 and in their first three games, or the Clippers, or the Bucks, even the Rockets, I don't think that would surprise you. But since the restart, the two teams that are 3-0, and the Indiana Pacers and the Phoenix Suns, and shout out to Devin Booker and the Phoenix Suns, Devin Booker had a monster game tonight versus the Clippers. 35 points, 8 assists, but more importantly, the game-winning shot over Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Devin Booker, well done, fam. The Phoenix Suns, they're trying to make that move, and it's going to be a push between the Suns, the Kings, and those Blazers. By the way, with the Blazers, another tough win another three-point dagger by Carmelo Anthony his second dagger in three games Melo's been big for the Blazers all year for all those people who thought Melo was washed when I told you he could still help a team in a lesser role Melo can still play he's a terrific catch and shoot four or five combo guy at this stage in his career He can still be productive. No, he's no longer a star or a second or third option. But anybody that can give you 16 points off the bench and shoot close to 40% from three still has value in this league. This is one of those episodes of the NBA Cypher. I'm really just looking at teams and players that don't get a lot of shine. I want to get into the Anthony Davis thing a little later. But look at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Maybe the most balanced team in the NBA. They've got four guys averaging between 18 and 19 points a game, starting with Shea Gilgis Alexander, second year player, 21 years old, 47% from the field, 36 from three, but more importantly, 19 points, six rebounds. Chris Paul having a great bounce back season. A lot of people have him first-team All-NBA. I'm not going to argue. I've actually got him on my third All-NBA team. But if you've got him first, you won't get an argument out of me because numbers don't tell you what he's done for the Thunder. 18 points, 7 rebounds, or excuse me, 7 assists, 5 rebounds over still a game, shooting 49% from the field and 37 from three. Chris Paul's leadership and his ability to control pace has made a big difference for this Thunder team. And it's rubbed off on some of the younger players. Look at Dennis Schroeder. 19 points a game off the bench, 38% from three, 47% from the field. He's been effective. He's been efficient all year long. Then you've got Gallo, Danilo Gallinari, 19 points a game, five rebounds. What people have always slept on about Gallo is he's not just a shooter. Yes, he has the ability 
to stretch you out. He's 6'10", can shoot the three, shoots at about 40% a clip this season. But Gallo puts the ball on the deck. Gallo gets to the foul line. He's always been able to get to the foul line his entire career. That's another thing about these Thunder that people sleep on. Between their four best players, they get to the foul line about 20-plus times per game. If there's a weakness on the Thunder, they don't have a lot of firepower coming off the bench. But overall, you'd have to admit, the Oklahoma City Thunder has been one of the biggest, if not the biggest, surprises in this NBA season. What makes the Houston Rockets scary is if you let them play at their pace. And sometimes you don't even realize it because they lull you into a false sense of security. They're not a great defensive team by no stretch. They're middle of the road. I think they're ranked 15th defensively. But what they're able to do is get timely stops. And because they play small, of course you want to go to your big. Of course you want to dominate them on the boards and punish them for playing small. And that works to a degree. But more times than not, you're still trading twos versus threes. The Rockets are not a great three-point shooting team. Not in terms of percentage, but because they shoot so many. The sheer volume of shots. In three games since the restart, they shot over 153s. They're willing to take that trade-off. They play games that are close to the vest, and when they give up size like they will in almost every game, they're going to space the floor and dare your bigs to cover a lot of ground, and most bigs cannot do that. Jeff Green and P.J. Tucker are going to get open looks at will. Tucker, 37% from three. Jeff Green is a respectable 39% even better than Tucker. So while they're not great shooters, they shoot the three ball well enough. Jeff Green is about 6'8", 6'9", P.J. Tucker 6'7". They put a lot of pressure on your bigs. And when Russ and Harden get downhill, now you're talking about two perimeter players that shoot 20 free throws combined per game. That's another way the Rockets get at you. They shoot the three, and their two best players attack the paint. Houston is one of those teams, they might lose in the first round. They might go to the conference finals. That's why they're my dark horse. I know who's favorite, but the Rockets have to be the scariest matchup for any team in the bubble right now. Even though they lost tonight to the Blazers, with Russ Book and Harden not playing particularly well, They were right there. They were that close because those two got downhill and they kicked it out and Tucker and Jeff Green hit open shots. If they get back a healthy Eric Gordon to go with Westbrook and Harden and those shooters, the Houston Rockets are going to take out one of the higher seeds. Trust me on this. The Mavericks, just like the Rockets, will lull you into a false sense of security because they make you play at their pace. You know what Luka and Przingis are going to do. One of the best combos in all the NBA, 
You've got the point guard, big combo. They do the point guard, the 1-5 pick and roll. Brzingis is not what I would call a pure center. When I look at Brzingis, he comes off more as like a 7-foot 2 guard. But Luka's giving you 29 a game, 9 rebounds, 9 assists, shooting 46% from the floor. Brzingis is stretching the floor, spacing out your big, making your big have to cover more ground, 35% from three. 20 points a game, almost eight, re- almost nine rebounds, I'm sorry, and over two blocks. Here's the thing about Przingis. Not a great one-on-one defender, but he's a terrific weak side defender. The guys that make Dallas go in terms of teammates that don't get a lot of shine, Tim Hardaway Jr., 16 points a game, 40% from three. Seth Curry, 12 points a game, 45% from three. <laughs> If you play at the Mavs' pace, you play into the Mavs' hands. There are a lot of teams out there that are very athletic. What the Mavs do is they chop you up by spacing the floor and make it about shooting. In a shootout, very few teams can match up with the Dallas Mavericks. For the Lakers to win it all, I think Anthony Davis has to be as good or better than LeBron James once the playoffs begin. And it's not like he doesn't have the ability or the talent. All we've talked about, if you're an NBA fan, when it comes to AD over the last three or four years, is that he's an all-NBA player, seven-time All-Star, three-time All-NBA, led the league in blocks three times, three-time All-NBA defense, So he has that pedigree to be dominant, to be impactful on both sides of the floor. But we're asking AD, or we're asking the question, can he be more? Can he be the Batman to LeBron's Robin? And I'm not saying that Anthony Davis is a better player than LeBron James. What I am saying, for the Lakers to win the title, I believe Anthony Davis has to be their best player. We know what LeBron James will do once the playoffs start. He will elevate his level of play on both ends of the floor. I think AD has to match that or surpass it for the Lakers to win it all. And I know that raises question marks. But what I do is I look at trends. And three of his last four games before play was suspended because of the virus, AD had scored over 30 points, including 37 versus the Sixers. Since the restart, he's had two games of over 30. Now, he had a subpar game against the Raptors. Some of that was him, but to be fair, I think a lot of that was the Raptors did a great job of trapping him early and not letting him get into any kind of rhythm. He is a rhythm player. This version of Anthony Davis that we've seen, though, two out of the three games, that's getting to the foul line 12 to 15 times a game. This player is the player that can lead the Lakers to the title as the alpha. I know LeBron is the leader, but I'm talking about the alpha in in terms of production on the court. I think Anthony Davis can lead them in scoring, rebounds, and can be their anchor defensively. He doesn't like to play the five throughout the game but late in the fourth quarters 
in money time, you're not going to have JaVale or Dwight Howard out there. You're going to have AD at the five, and he can hold down that fort. It's the reason why most people think AD will be defensive player of the year. It's his ability to rim protect, to show, recover, play in space versus, versus smaller players. Even though I picked Giannis to win defensive player of the year, it would not shock me at all. I've said this. If AD won it, he's deserving of it. I think it's a tight vote. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if AD was defensive player of the year. But this is about titles. And for the Lakers to win the title. Because people keep using the term super team. This is not a super team. They have two great players. They are surrounded by some very good solid proven pros but this is not a super team and they have a small margin for error when you look at the way the lakers are constructed lebron leads them with over 10 assists per game the next best facilitator is rondo at five and then ad at three for a big ad is a very good passer and if you've been watching the lakers early on into the restart Deion waiter's ability to break people down can make your defense shift. So maybe he can become a little bit of more of a, of a creator in his own right. But the roster as a whole, they're mostly catch and shoot players. The Lakers do not have a lot of creators. And that's why they need AD to make defenses collapse. They need to make let AD establish himself early in attack. When he's in attack mode, He's not only getting to the foul line, he's getting other teams' front lines into foul trouble. Not to mention, he's also getting your team into the penalty early, which allows for teammates to get to the line and get themselves on track. This is one of the most underrated ways of generating offense, even when you're not shooting well. He hasn't shot great all three games but he's been consistent at least two out of three at being aggressive. And that aggressiveness, that attack mode AD, that guy, if he shows up and LeBron is who LeBron has been over the last 15 years plus, the Lakers will win the title. A confident AD allows LeBron to pick and choose when he wants to try to be more aggressive. A confident AD not only helps out the role players offensively by getting them open shots, he gives them confidence defensively. They can be more aggressive pushing up on their men knowing AD is back there to protect the rim. Anthony Davis playing with aggression and confidence is the rest of the NBA's worst nightmare. I have a number. I have a certain number of listeners per episode that I want to hit before I start incorporating guests. And I don't know why that number does it for me, but I have to reach that number. It's just locked into my head. Once I get there, then I'm ready for that next step. And that's obviously incorporating guests into the show. And that's something I look forward to. But take it from someone who had to find their voice, their podcast voice, 
and that just sounds crazy almost cringe like for me to say that this show was initially going to be a three-man thing and it, it just never came to pass so i was kind of forced to step forward because i knew i wanted to do this i knew i was built for this but i didn't know i was going to be able to put myself out front and stand the sound of my voice or be comfortable talking and being the only voice out there maybe even fearing that deadly dead air that might be the beauty of the podcast you can avoid that by just pressing pause and then restart and keeping it moving like you never missed a beat what i know is i'm grateful for all the support grateful for you guys responding to each show grateful for all the listeners and when you guys inbox me and hit me up agree or disagree all the opinions have value to me they matter to me but anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice message and i know i've mentioned this a long time ago but i'll bring it up again because you never know people might just be more comfortable doing that now you can use the voice message and send me a minute long message about the current episode a past episode or even what's just going on in the nba or sports in general i'm up for it and it would be much appreciated but if your comfort zone still remains just hitting me up with messages and stuff like that in my inbox i'm good with that too i'm grateful for that too moving forward though yes i have reached out to some professional athletes and they've actually been really receptive to the idea of coming on the show i mean like to the point where they were ready to go right now they were with it the one that's holding back it's me because i just haven't hit that number yet but when i do i think the show is going to go to another level because you're going to hear some familiar voices and i think i'm ready for those kind of conversations but I got to hit that number. I appreciate you guys. Love all the support from everybody in the fam. Facebook, Anchor, Spreaker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and all the other platforms that the NBA Cypher is on. Much love.